0: Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice.
1: Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you get to ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things trading and investing. If you're interested tonight, what we're looking at here is the uh, coronavirus. And obviously, I hope you've had a really, really great day. And I mean, the stock market is a little bit uh, volatile at the moment. Uh, and I know a lot of people are panicking, so we're going to handle that tonight. And obviously, our topic for tonight is mass panic on the stock markets so that's what you want to get into uh, over the uh, for the topic for tonight as you can see Janine's not with me at this point in time uh, she's actually um, not feeling really well tonight so i told her to stay home rather than come out here uh, and uh, you know disrupt herself she's got a bit of a cold um, no she doesn't have the coronavirus guys but what actually happened is i was able to throw out that uh, swear jar she gave me last week so that's now in the rubbish so hopefully she doesn't find it but as always we'll look at what's currently happening on the australian market uh, we'll look at uh, your questions or answer your most burning questions and what we'll do is we'll get into the stocks that you'd like to me so if you do have a question make sure you put your comments in the chat on the right of of the screen so have a look at that but for now what we'll actually do is we'll get into it's the second tuesday of the month which that means we're actually going to get into the sectors on the australian market so let's go and have a look at uh, the uh, charts of the sectors and we'll have a little bit of a uh, discussion about that right now so let's if i can get the guys to bring that up i'll go through to that now and we'll have a good look Tonight's going to be a little bit disjointed, a bit, guys, because uh, we've had lots of little technical issues today. The nothing, the mouth is melting down a little bit, and uh, we've also got technical issues. My beautiful laptop that we've been using the last two weeks has decided not to work properly. Um, and I've got little other issues with other things at this point in time too. So, But on your screen, you should be seeing the, the sectors in the Australian market. Now, this is the week. So if you see up there on the left-hand side, that's the week uh, of, or the results for this week from Monday. So that's Monday and Tuesday. So it's yesterday and today. And you can see how energy was hit very, very hard yesterday. And this is a lot of those energy stocks, um, Oil Search and Celtics and those got hit very, very heavily. Obviously, materials with BHP and Rio got hit as well. Um, industrial technology, but it's more important to look at the longer term move, not the shorter term move. Um, you know, daily moves are pretty much irrelevant. And if you study the markets and you study some of the the, um, the workings of Charles Dow, the founder of the Dow Jones, he actually say that daily fluctuations are irrelevant. And that's really what I teach my traders is Daily movements are really are relevant. It's when you're looking at the bigger moves over the months and or uh, several months and into the years. That's when you need to look at or how you need to look at the market. So if we change this now to a monthly chart and you'll see that the, the actual um, outlook is a little bit different for the month. So even though we're only uh, nine days or 10 days into the month, you can see our energy is still down at 20% there. Um, but communication services, staples and healthcare aren't down by very much at all. Um, utilities only down by 2 um, consumer discretion information technology they're down by less than 50 percent of what the market's fallen um, to yesterday i think the market had fallen about 20 percent so they've only gone about half of the way and even financials about half the way so where is the big fall coming from and that's obviously from the energy sector but if we take it back one more step and go to the year to date from 1 january this is what we actually see here um, at uh, on the healthcare is up about 6.87 uh, percent energy is down 34 so energy was already going down. If we look at energy, you can see how the fall has been really going on. If I change that to a monthly chart, you'll see energy's all-time highs way back in June 2008. And it's really been sort of bearish since October 2018 and more recently since January. So it was already sliding. So when you see the market falling away, those sectors or the stocks that are already weak fall away harder because they're already in a fall. Stocks or markets that are more bullish will fall less. And so this is how I read these sorts of charts when we're looking at um, the sectors is I'm looking at some of the sectors that haven't fallen enough haven't fallen very much because they're showing signs of strength but then also look at some of these like energy what opportunities are there in energy because normally a 30% fall really does pull up stocks a lot of stocks uh, and a lot of markets so what we might see is some opportunities coming through here but we will have a little bit more of a look at that um, as the time goes by and I'm not going to bring up an all-ords chart at this point in time because I'm going to cover the all-ordinaries index and I'm going to show you some all-ordinaries index charts when I get into our main topic a little bit later on on, um, in the show when I do discuss that because to me the market conditions are now and I know um, given the market conditions here I know we do see a lot of people there's a lot of fear in the marketplace but what I find is this time of the year we sell or this time of the market what we actually see is a lot of individuals who are those armchair experts those would-bes if they could be as they get out and you know they start really I mean you can see them posting on our YouTube or my YouTube. Um, report from yesterday my all orders index report you know it's when you see uh, my reports like you know um, stock market crashing or you see things like you know the hot stocks on the market find the hot stocks on the marketplace more people look at those videos than look at the normal ones that we put out and so they look at clickbaity titles and these are the people that uh you know they they really do they really follow the herd and really what they're doing at the moment and that's exactly what they're doing at the moment often they'll put comments Onto to uh, posts like ours or, or um, videos like ours. And what they're actually trying to do is make themselves feel better about their lack of knowledge. Now, I'm not trying to be rude to anybody, but at the end of the day, um, we all hear what we're doing here tonight and what we do every single week with Janine and I is help people to learn. We don't make any money out of you buying and selling stock. We make zero money. We're not brokers. We don't, you don't trade through us. Uh, you can do whatever you like. And so what we're talking about uh, week in week at is really about... How you can do be better on the on your portfolios now, you know. To me, is you know, helping you understand the market a little bit better and helping you not panic is fantastic, and that's really what we're trying to do um, in terms of how we're actually working the marketplace uh, and also how we manage portfolios and how we're managing the current volatility. But um, you know, and you might ask why um, um, why do people panic? And the simple uh, simple answer to that is herd mentality. I mean, people are happy to watch videos, you know, and um, uh, go to chat forums and and get their hints and tips from those sorts of places and while the market's going up, they're all fine and they're happy happy with all of that. But what actually happens when the stock goes against them, then they start blaming every single body else. They, they blame the market, they blame the experts, they blame everybody. And really, if you're panicking right now about the market, it's just a huge sign that you are not educated enough and you don't understand it. So hopefully tonight we're going to go through a little bit about, uh, well, we're going to explain why I think there's a whole lot of opportunity in our market marketplace at the moment and i know Jen and i quite often will say you know this is our best guess right now based on our knowledge and experience now we're not going to get it right 100% of the time we never do we never propose we ever get it right 100% of the time and occasionally we get it wrong and when we get it wrong uh, the market doesn't do what we expect it and then we just change our strategy but One thing we've always said, Janine and I have said, doesn't matter whether the market is going up or down, we know what we're going to do. We have a strategy for either up or strategy for going down. And and to me, that's really what's important is knowing how you're going to react. It doesn't matter to us how fast the market's moving or what direction it's moving. We have rules around that. So if you don't have rules around that, then the issue is that you need to get some uh, because if you're scared of the market right now, then really it's something to, for you to look at and understand and ask yourself why you're scared of the market right now because i do think it looks really really good but you know, to me people tend to as i said blame everybody else and tend to make others look bad or experts like myself look bad i'm not the only expert that didn't expect the bigger the big move down i expected a move down i did expect a move at eight to 12 percent down i did expect it to move into this time frame my charts have been saying a move down into this time frame i just didn't expect 20 percent But I still expect it to bounce. So whilst it has fallen further than what I thought, to me, it really is um, a market not to be feared right at the moment. It's it's really to be embraced. But I'm going to have a look at a couple of things on the chat forum. I know there's a couple of questions there on the chat forum at the top. But I know my guys are having a lot of trouble with my teleprompter at the moment. I mean, my computer's not working or my laptop's not working and my teleprompter's not working. So um, but hopefully that'll get fixed. But I want to read up a couple of questions that we do have. Um, um, yeah, mass, you must sue, I think, how you say it. I'm sorry. Um, how can I buy upcoming floats? Really, with upcoming floats, uh, my first question is, why would you want to buy an upcoming float? I know 50% of floats. Uh, statistically, you can buy them after the float cheaper than you can off the prospectus on the float. But if you do want to buy floats, you are the um, ASX or ASX.com.au. You just go to the ASX website. They'll have a list of upcoming floats in the next 12 months. You'll probably be able to click through to the p- prospectus. You'll be able to find out who is actually the brokers behind it. But generally, most people just um, get the prospectus either from the ASX or they go to their broker and say, "Hey, look, can you give me the prospectus for the upcoming float?" So to me. That's really what you need to be doing to, to get, a, get into floats. But as I said, um, I don't necessarily recommend people get into floats. I don't buy them. Janine doesn't buy them. We'd rather buy them later on once the market's there and once the market understands what's going on. So, um, But let's have a look at the next question I've got. It's from William. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. Really looking forward to the show tonight. Have you seen the comments left on your last Aussie report? The amount of naysayers you had was pretty remarkable. And that's not uncommon. As I said, you know, I have people in times like these People come out of the woodwork, you know, when times are good, they watch the videos, they like my, you know, me getting it right 90% of the time, and then they make money from that. But then when it doesn't do what I think it's going to do, then they come out and then they're the naysayers. And that's okay, that's their journey. And, but again, that's again human psychology. I mean, it was only a, mi- a month or so ago, everybody was worried about the fires, everybody was helping out people with the fires, everybody was donating millions and millions of dollars through, through to the bushfire relief. And then, you know, we see people arguing about toilet paper in the supermarket. I mean, human psychology is really, really, really different. Um, And so, um, but let's have a look at the next one. Tommy is, um, actually, Tommy is the next question we got. Uh, He says, um, as an inexperienced trader, um, he says, I would like to know the strategy to employ to buy a share after a time of significant pullback. Do you still wait for the share to go up a while before diving in. Um, Yes, we do. We've talked about falling knives all the time, Tommy. And Janine and I talk about this so often because people don't understand where the value of a share is. And they see a share falling away heavily and they go, wow, that was $40 two weeks ago and now it's $30 or $20.00. It's cheap, so I'll jump in now only for it to find a little bit further fall and further fall again. And so what's going on is is at the moment the market is bearish. Yesterday it was up. I think it was up 2 to 3% today. Um, but today is bearish, but it doesn't mean the move down has stopped. And that's really what we keep saying is whilst we think the market's going to do 8 to 12%, we're always prepared for it to not do what we expected. Um, late last year, or last year, the last two, three months of last year, last four months of last year i was saying i thought the market would get up to seven thousand two hundred points possibly seven thousand six hundred points before it when it had its peak and then it would fall away i said if the peak happened earlier um into 2020 then the, the, the downward move would be nice and orderly. If it happened a little bit later into this year, into February, March, then it's likely to be a little bit faster. I was saying that about four months ago. Um, so that's exactly what's happened. But again, I didn't expect the 20% fall, but that doesn't mean it's not going to fall 25 or 30%. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is you need to have rules around that. So right now the market's falling. It has been falling in the last couple of weeks. Stocks are falling. It doesn't mean you buy them. You need to make sure that they've hit, a, hit their... Hit stopped falling and start to move up before we buy it because I'd rather leave money on the table. Um, and you know maybe 10 or 20 or 30 percent making sure it's going up before i put my money into it because losing 20 percent is much worse than not making 20 percent if you lose 20 percent you've got to make more than 20 percent to break even if you don't make 20 percent, that means you just don't make 20 percent and so it really is about uh, you buying stocks that are looking better so let's have another look at another one we've got um, um, everybody saying hello Jacob saying hi dale and janine how are you? Do you think you've hit the we've hit the bottom of this correction or is there a little further to go? Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up a chart of the All Ordinaries Index just briefly. So let me go to that one and I'll bring up my chart that I bring up uh, or I bring up each week. So if I look at that, let me just do a couple of things on here. Let me just go get rid of a couple of things there and we'll just bring that up. I just want to clean it all up for you. You can see here's the chart of the All Ordinaries Index at this point in time. Now at the moment we can see the massive fall down from that high and you can see how big that fall is right down through there, it's 23.2%. But have a look, this is today's close. We're closing really up halfway on the today's bar. So it opened up, pushed all the way down, and sorry, the weekly bar, sorry, not the daily chart, the daily bar, and so far we're half the way. So if I look at today's bar here, we can see here it opened, pushed down, and came right back. Now, I was only saying to Jim Beach, who I obviously I talk to every Monday, um, from the US. And I said, oh, it wouldn't surprise me if our market closed higher in March than it did, uh, than, it, than it opened. And what I mean by that is looking at going to a monthly chart and saying, let me just delete that. The monthly chart opened here at uh, 6,511. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if the close was above that because I am expecting the market to move up. Because markets always bounce and uh, that's what they always do. But if you see here, we haven't had a bounce yet. We've had uh, quite a few days down. If I go to the daily chart, you'll see all these days down, other than this day up and that day up. It's pretty much all red. So we do need to see a bit of a retest, and this retest will tell me whether this is the high and whether we're moving down. But um, and to me, uh, we need to just confirm that. But again, I'll talk about it a little bit more once I get into my topic for tonight. So, um, but please do put your comments um, into the chat if you're one of those people that just likes to you know uh, make stupid comments just Remember, this is an educational show, so please just make sure that you are doing something that's relevant to the show and asking, you know, actually relevant questions for us so everybody learns how to manage themselves during this this time of increased volatility and obviously increase or heighten um, concern about the market. But before we move on, I just wanted to remind you of my live presentation uh, that's happening this week here in Melbourne. It's in the city. So um, it's the presentation for the Australian Technical Analysts Association. It's on Thursday night, and they've kindly asked me to talk to their members and what's exciting for everybody watching is that I'm allowed to invite you and they've told me that you get a discount by mentioning uh, Wealth Within. Um, Normally it's $30 to attend but you get uh, to come to the night for $20 so that's pretty cool. Um, The presentation is on uh, Thursday, it's a couple of nights time so the 12th of March and the formalities, they do a bit of a meet and greet at 5pm but the formalities really start at 6pm with the presentations. I'm going to be on from 6.45 to 8pm. Um, and it's at the Ibis Hotel in Theory Street near the Victoria Markets, um, which is, I believe, very easy to get to. It's near the train stations and there's parking nearby. But if you are interested in going, then you need to send us an email with your contact details, and we'll send you all the relevant information that you need. And we'll let the ATAA know that you are coming on the night. So um, obviously, the the topic for the night um, is going to get a little bit more interesting given the market at the moment. But I did set the market or the topic for the night um, in an uncertain market. What type of trade? are you now basically you can say that any monkey can throw a dart and pick winning trades in a bull market however only real traders can manage the best place to enter and exit so they achieve less losers and more winners so why is it that so many people fail at being consistently profitable Um, especially in times of uncertainty now i'm probably going to adjust my presentation a little bit given what's going on in the marketplace and so, but um, given the market right now, it really is going to be a fun night. It's going to be entertaining and very educational, I promise you. So remember to get your details in. You do need to send us an email to info at Wealth Within and title the email live presentation and remember to put your contact info into the email so we can send you the details and then pass that on to the ATAA. um, But now I think it's time to get into the subject for tonight's show and that is, does mass panic on the stock market spell opportunity? Now the biggest mistakes people make is to look at what's happening now, rather than to look at two things. Now the first of that is what has occurred in the past, and the second is based on what has occurred and uh, what how how it unfolded, and so that can give us an insight into how it might unfold into the future. Now. Part of what Janine and I spoke about last week is that a human nature does not change. After all, how can we as a society for, uh, go from donating millions of dollars uh, and doing everything we can to help those people in the bushfires one month to fighting toilet rolls over toilet rolls the next month? I mean, fear is a powerful motivator, and when fear are, are, is around logic, pretty much goes out of the window. Now, humans are very predictable simply because we are habitual. We go to work at the same time, we eat the same foods, we pretty much uh, do uh, one day is pretty much similar to the next day and en masse, that makes our society very, very predictable. Uh, And when it comes to the stock market, fear and greed dictate our behaviour. Now, people watch YouTube or visit chat forums in order to get the latest tip on what to buy out of greed. As they desire to make money, then they are fearful if the stock falls. Now, to me, knowledge is the enemy of fear. Now, gambling along with Tats Lotto and other games of chance are rampant in our society as people really do want to get rich quick. But as a society, we're also plagued by fear-mongering as we're constantly bombarded with negative images and negative messages. Now, to understand what's going on, we need to look at the past as the past will guide us as to the behavior of the market that was apparent in a previous bull or bear market and how it might unfold moving forward. The insights give us signposts as to what is highly likely to occur moving forward. Now, before I show you some of my charts, I need to remind you of a statement from Warren Buffett, who said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Now, I totally agree with Mr. Buffett. So let me ask you, are you feeling fearful or greedy right now? Now, my guess is that unless you're a student or graduate of ours, is that you are fearful. Now, if Mr. Buffett has said this a very long time ago, then why are the masses not listening either now or in the past? The simple answer is herd mentality and this is why there is, there is just no toilet paper in the supermarkets. So let's now get into some charts so I can share with you just what occurs in times like this and then we can share with you my, my, what might occur moving forward. Now I'll get the guys to bring up my charts and I'll move over to where I need to be and I'll drop that down and I'll just go to where I want to go. Here we go. So this is the all-ordinaries. Actually, I'll show you the Dow Jones first uh, before I show you the all Ordinaries because it makes a bit more sense. This is the chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now you can see here, if you see right over here, that's 1900 where my pointer is. So I have data going back to 1900. So if I scroll back on here, you can see here This is all data. That's 1900 down on that left-hand side. That's the 1929 crash on the Dow Jones. And you can see here I've anchored off um, what's called a 54-year cycle. Now, there's markets move from low to high to low in cycles. We're very hit-bitch-all as human beings. I know that I can... Follow you around for a week and write down everything you do, how you have your coffee, how you brush your hair, how what you what you have for breakfast, uh, and etc. But in the next week, I'll be in front of you because as humans, we do things habitually. So therefore, what happens is is as because we as humans do things habitually, it also reflects in the market because human behaviour drives the market, not the other way around. And so, by studying the market, we can actually study. Human human behavior. Now I know Janine joked a week or two ago about women's dresses go up. You know and then when the market's bullish and, and they go down when the market's a little bit bearish. But again, social moods dictate the trends of the market. So looking at this, we can see here if we go back to the chart. So I've anchored this 54 year cycle off the low in 1932. Now remembering that the our market had a low in 19 uh, in did the 1929 crash as well. So we were down. Our market had a low in 1931 not 32 but if we go back you can see here now that's 1987 crash and it looks like a little blip on the radar doesn't it doesn't look too big but if i expand it up you can see if i put my pointer on you can see that's october 2007 so that was the end of the 54 year move this big big move from low to high to low now Like everything in life, everything's made up of smaller movements or smaller cycles. Now, I can't get into this a lot. Some of these charts and things I'm talking about is what I talk to our advanced people about, and we teach advanced students and markets do move from low to high in regular fashion in smaller time frames and in larger time frames but you need to understand that larger time frames are far more dominant they're like the bullies in the playground so they'll push the market around and push the smaller time frames around so they'll make a bullish market bearish if a larger move is coming through that's what happens uh, and so therefore that's all i'm seeing right at the moment i wasn't expecting a marge, large larger move to happen to a little bit later and neither was janine But if we expand that out, this blue is called the 18-year cycle. There's three 18s in 54, and it's very much um, uh, what we see in the market is it makes two to three, one, two, three, Uh, or five moves in those bigger moves, in those bigger, bigger cycles, almost like Fibonacci numbers within that or uh, in multiples of Fibonacci numbers. Now, if we're looking at this, we can see here that the all ordinance Index from 87 came down. That's the GFC low in March 2009, and it was just a little bit late. It came in a little bit later, but that's the first move out of a 54-year cycle. So right now, we're in the second move out of a 54-year cycle. So the next big major low is not due. That point there is 2027. So people will be asking me why I've been saying the bigger move down is going to be sort of mid this decade. That's why I'm saying it. So if we go back and look at the Dow, you can see here there's a move, little move down in here, but it's gone bullish after this midpoint here. We're just in that midpoint, just past the midpoint. That's why I thought we'd had the midpoint of this move because the Dow came into December 2018 and so did our market. But then we've had this other pullback. So I am quite confident our market will return to being bullish very, very soon. So let's have a quick look at our market. Now, this is a chart going back to 1982. There's the 87 low. Here's the 18-year move, and you can see here the low for the GFC here. You can see here the halfway of the next one, and it did come down here. That's the one where it came down 15% into December 2018. Now, have a look at this. This is the halfway mark of this first 18-year move out of this low. And you can see a 21% pullback. And then the market rose up 55.8% through to that high in June 2001. And then by the time it finished the GFC high in November 2007, there was 211.2% percent rise. That's why I'm thinking our market is having a bit of a low. Now, am I discounting the market could go lower than what it is now? No, I'm not. Uh, It could go lower than what it is now. What I'm suggesting is history is telling us that we were due for a low. Now, I wasn't expecting this next major low out for another two, probably late this year or into next year, I was thinking the, the low would happen. It's just happened a little bit earlier than what I was expecting and what Janine was expecting. Uh, and that's okay. But what I also know is if there's a big move down in the middle here, that means the move out's going to be very, very bullish. Now I want to show you a couple of other things. Now I brought up Um, If I go to, um, this is a chart I did for a presentation uh, quite a few years ago, and the source was from AMP Capital Investors. Now, I've just added a little bit here, but it's saying bear markets in Australian shares since 1960. Uh, And you can see here how we've listed them through here, uh, and that was the end of their data through there. So you can see the months to reach the low was the average month down in a bear market was 15 months. The average percentage fall was 30 months. The months to make a new high, so go back... Above the previous high, before the fall, it took 41 months to get above the previous high and the percentage gain in the first 12 months is 32%. So when the market is very bearish, the gain out of it is going to be huge and that's really what I'm suggesting right now. Once we find a low, the next move out is going to be big uh, and you're going to do very, very well but you can see here falls 23 20%. There's 32, 21, 23. Now, the GFC went from November 2007 to March 2009. It was 16 months. It was one month longer than average. It was a little bit deeper. It was 55.6, not quite as deep as 74, and I'm going to show you that in a second there. Uh, it, but it took 124 months to get back up to the all-time high. So that's from the all-time the low in March 2009, through to the all-time high that happened only a few months ago, um, and the move out of that was 60%, so it's a pretty big move. Now, we've seen a subsequent bear market in almost a bear market here in March 2015 to February 2016, so four years ago. It took 11 months, fell 20%, took 14 months to get back up to the high prior to where it fell, um, and it made 21%, so it's a nice big move out of that. Now, 11 months to make 20%, we've done it in Two weeks. That's really abnormal. And if you go back and study the last big, the biggest fall um, that I believe we've had back in, there was in um, October 2008, um, it was, where our market fell over 7% in one day. That was near the, right near the bottom. If I go back onto here, onto my All Lords chart and we look at October and I'll go to a daily chart here and, and we bring that up. And I go to a daily chart and let me look at 2008. Let me just go here so you can see here. So this is 2008 here. So these are the big moves down into the GFC low. So November was nearly the low here. Um, and obviously here is the final low in March 2009. But you can see some of those moves down were quite big through this time. And as, as the, the media is saying, well, hey, we had a big move down off 7% um, in that time. But you can see here all during the GFC low, there was a retrace. That was the high. It came down, it moved back up again, came down, moved back up again. If we go to what we're seeing today, if I scroll back over here and if I bring it up wherever it is, all we've seen is a downward move other than this tiny little bit, which is not enough. So what we need to do is look at this in context. Now, I want to show you a couple of things. Here's an image that I used in a presentation many, 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 many years ago. Wall Street plunges around at 90 points as panic replaces the This was in July, 21st of July, 2002. And the journalist said, no one's safe from US carnage, hang on to your hats, fun or horror, that depending on whether you're a buyer or seller, it's just beginning if you're neither, don't think you'll escape, your superannuation fund is about to take a panic. That's this words here um, in this article here. Now, if we go back to July uh, 2002, let's go and have a look at that and see what was going on. And we go back to, where's 2002? You're almost there, a little bit, little bit further. Here we go. So 2003, here's July 2002. This is a daily chart. So that's July 2002. It's almost near the bottom. So when you're getting newspaper articles like that, it's really starting to be a big signal that the bottom's happening because if we look at the moves from there down, from roughly from there to the major low, you can see there was only another 8.4% over the coming six or seven months. So there's not a lot of movement after that article was out. And this is why you need to be careful about what you're doing and what you're reading. Now, this is some of the lows here from on our market. This is the All Ordnance Index from 1968. And you can see here 38%, 59%, 40% that's your G, that's your 87 low down into 91 it was 32.8% so these are some of the stuff i work with on our students and how they understand the market and how they unfold and taking you through to the next one this is from the 87 crash 32.8 was that one i was just talking about 22% 17 23 42 down to this point in time in 2008 and obviously it fell a little bit further into 2009 but at the time i snapshotted that Um, Chart for our students to talk to them about what was going on in the GFC and how they could handle it. It had only fallen 42.8%. But the important thing is the market does move down. But you can see how it moves up beautifully outside of every single one of them. And there's a lot of other things that I'm doing with our with our students um, to helping them understand. But I was chatting with our assessment team today. And I said to them, how are you going with all the students? Have you getting any more emails or anybody concerned about the market? And they said to me, Dale, we haven't had one email of any student that's worried about the market. In fact, they're all telling us they're so calm about the market and for the first time, you know, in their life when something like this is happening, they've got they've got they're more rational because they understand what's going on. They understand what to do. So to me, this is where um, knowledge really is the enemy of fear. So where do we go to from there? Right now, I think I do think our market will bounce. How far it bounces, how long it takes, how far it goes will tell me what it will do more medium to longer term. I am still expecting another move down, which may happen. Um, so I do do... Stu- still do need to expect that that might happen um, but you never never know now um, what we've done in in the past Janine and I have actually spoken about signposts that you can watch out for to alert you at market peaks and troughs now um, one we did was the 18th of February's live show so you might like to go and have a look at that and where we mentioned that large amounts of leveraging is a signal that the market is peaking we also talked about record levels of investors into managed funds now basically what occurs at market tops Um, is what Mr. Buffett suggests in that the masses are greedy. Now, let me ask you, have the masses been greedy lately? And have they borrowed to invest? And have they been rampant in investing or not? And to me, the answer to all of that is no. So that suggests to me that the market isn't peaking uh, because we haven't seen that. We haven't seen overborrowing. Please don't get me wrong, the coronavirus does have the potential to affect the world economy. What, uh, what the charts are telling me is that it's not time to be fearful, but rather time to get mildly excited and wait for the opportunity that will prevail from the current downward mood. Now... To me, you know, you might some people out there might go, hey, Dario, you're being a little bit silly here. This is happening. That's happening. And what I know is that having done, been trading and, and working with investors and traders for well over two decades is that uh, volatile times don't last very long and neither do uneducated traders um, and because they tend to make fearful decisions and to me now's not the time to panic now's the time to learn now's the time to sit back and watch what's happening and then start to get into some really good stocks at reasonably good prices because i think the move out of wherever that is if we have the bottom today whether we're having it tomorrow whether we're having it next week or next month or whether it doesn't happen till june it's irrelevant to me. It's what we do and how we're managing our portfolio. And, and again, people who bought my book aren't panicking. I've had a lot of emails from people saying, hey, for the first time, I'm calm about the market because I do have rules. It's the ones that are panicking, those ones who are, we, we talked about a few weeks ago about having a behavioral bias. You know, um, And yes, I could have had a behavioral bias because I didn't think the market would be affected this much whilst i got the direction right i didn't get the speed right and i didn't get how much it was going to fall right so shoot me guys i got that bit wrong but doesn't mean i'm going to be wrong next week or next month because janine and i are generally right most of the time but let's now get into the chat or back into the chat as they say um, and have a look at some of the questions that you've got for me now the next question we have is from todd martin who says hi well, some of my stop losses have moved in and out of me enacting acting them on a daily basis but seem to hold up within a day or two do you enact stocks by day week or month really good question there todd uh, it really is a case of what's your testing telling you and we have various different filters on stop losses and also on entry and exit triggers as well, because you've got to separate stop losses from entry and exit triggers. Some people think, well, entry and exit is the same as a stop loss. No, it's not. A stop loss is just a protection of capital in case a share you own or you bought falls below your buy price. Everything else is an exit strategy from that point of view. So looking at stop losses, you could set it on a, a, a move through a certain level. So if it trades through a certain level, you exit, just immediately exit. You can have it if it closes on any day below that level, any week below that level, any month below that level, your choice. But how you set it, that will depend on the stock you have and your trading strategy around that stock because some stocks are more volatile like a BHP and a Rio and stocks are, some stocks are a lot less volatile like um, Telstra or CSL. So therefore, you might have different stops and different rules around that. You can't just arbitrarily go black and white go, that's the rule that's going to fit. And this is why I find a lot of traders make big mistakes because they get an arbitrary like a black and white rule and go, that's it. But that's why we talk about the art of trading. You need to understand how the market's unfolding, the personality of the stock and have rules for that stock. And our students tend to have smaller uh, watch lists, but they know those stocks because they know how they run, what the stop losses are, what best stop losses are used on those stocks, what are the best buy rules, what are the best sell rules on that stock, how it's best to manage that stock. And by doing a little bit of extra work, you'll make far more money. Um, but thank you for sending the question. That's really, really good. Um, the next question I've got is from Emma um he says, um, I can't, sorry, I can't say your name, sorry. Uh, Y.M. Saucy. I why am ah, Y.M. Saucy. That's what the guy's talked in my ear. Y.M. Saucy. Um, he says, can I buy ASX shares but selected company? Yeah, you can. You can buy anything listed on the ASX that you like. You just set up an account with your broker. If you don't have an account with a broker, I just set one up with your bank. That's pretty much what I would do. And then you can choose the stocks. Uh, that you'd like but uh, given you're asking these questions I suggest uh, well it suggests to me you're very very much a beginner so what I would suggest you do is you go to the ASX website asx.com.au they've got some really good basic information there on what the market does how to find a broker um, uh, what shares are those sorts of things a lot of what is they won't teach you to trade like we do but they will help you out understanding some of the market but great education from that um, the next question we got is from Michael Sopal, who says, Hi, Dale, my question. I just got out of hospital. I hope you're all right, matey. Um, and, uh, and then I see my portfolio at a 34% profit loss. Um, profit loss because I didn't have any knowledge on the markets at the time. I'm thinking of just holding. What happens if you miss the stop loss you set for unforeseen reasons? Again, it's how long's a piece of string, matey? That's really the answer to that is is you need to decide that because I can't blanket say just sell out and just get rid of them because i don't know the stocks and of and also that's financial advice and because this is youtube i can't be and uh, i don't know who you are and i can't do you proper advice on that i'd be looking at the stocks that you own if you've got really really good stocks then um, you know you might look at them generally when janine and i get a portfolio coming in from somebody who's not a student of ours like a brand new portfolio coming in for us to manage um, we do find people do have stocks that are 30 40 50 percent down we don't immediately sell them for those people even though they're below what we would have traditionally sold them what we do is tend to manage them out so what we do is have a tight stop loss underneath them and while they're rising we keep moving with that and we move the stop loss up with it you might like to try that um, from that point of view, but also, but you just do need to set them an arbitrary figure. Now, I figure underneath those stocks that if they do start to fall further, that you do have an exit point that you've chosen that you think reasonable for you. Um, but then also, as I said, maybe have a trailing stop loss up to move underneath them as well. Um, the next question I've got is from Stephen palmer who says been watching for months thank you matey and dale did predict a fall um luckily i pulled a large amount off the market so thank you dale that's my question Oh, sorry to my question thank you very much for for saying that that's really um kind of you saying that yes i have been saying the market's going to fall what i got wrong was the speed and the depth of it so shoot me on that one um but as i said we generally get it right but the next question's from caleb i think caleb's a trading mentor student so hi caleb i think i've got an email from you some back testing you've done. So I have a, I'm going to have a look at that hopefully tomorrow for you, matey. Um, he says, hi, Dar, thanks for the wise words. I got stopped out of all my positions over the last week, looking to get back in on stocks like Goodman Group, but with the volatility, should I take an entry if one arose? Now, let's go and have a look at Goodman Group. I'll bring it up. I'll put my glasses on. Um, as I said, it's a little bit disjointed today because Janine's not here and we've got all these little technical issues. But let me bring up Goodman Group. But hopefully you enjoyed a little bit about my take on you know, why you should be more excited about the market. Do what Buffett does. I mean, nobody can argue with Buffett. If he says, don't be, be fearful when the others are greedy, then be fearful when others are greedy. And if he says, you know, um, be greedy when others are fearful, that's what you should be doing. You should be thinking about how I can profit from, them, from this move. But let's bring in Goodman Group, GMG. And let's have a look at that. You can see how it's fallen away a little bit. So it hasn't given us a technical exit, but I don't know where you've entered, Um, Caleb. I'm not sure when, but right now it doesn't have a technical exit uh, exit on me. If you've exited on um, just having a stop of... From the all from that high, then obviously you can see it's fallen 21%. It's down to 16.7%. It has been a really bullish stock. If you see there, it's been beautifully bullish. It's all-time highs way back here. I do like Goodman Group. I think it's a good stock. Um, right now, I'd just be staying out of it a little bit. It looks like it's finding some support around that $13 mark. If it finds some support and triggers your buy signal that we've taught you in the trading mentor course, then I wouldn't have any issues with you getting into that again. But I would set you stop losses again because you know uh, some people treat stop losses as a negative i actually treat it as a positive and uh, i teach the traders from uh, our course i said learn to love getting stopped out because the more you learn to exit the more money you will actually make Uh, and that's probably sounds like an oxymoron to a lot of people but you need to get used to selling because if you can uh, there's an old golden rule of trading let profits run cut losses short so if you're letting losses run and cutting losses profits short then you're not going to be very profitable that's exactly how most people trade they cut their profit they get 10 percent they get out but they'll suffer 20 30 40 50 percent loss and that really kills their portfolio so just look at your rules matey don't be in a hurry just be really patient creating the market will teach you patience uh, if you're not already you will be um, but just stick to your rules um, and happy to help you out there as i said on their support as well um, the next comment is from jacob who jokes i hope Woolworths pay a special dividend because all of the toil- toilet paper and pasta that's been brought. Yeah, so Coles uh, is looking all right too, matey, on that one. So thanks for doing that. Um, I was going to I was gonna bring on a toilet roll uh, as a bit of a joke, saying here's the next best investment. Uh, you, know, you know, Bitcoin's now gone. Now it's toilet rolls. You know, toilet rolls go up 100% in a week, so buy toilet rolls from now on. Um, you know, because I think it's just pretty crazy, people buying lots of toilet rolls. And, uh, I can understand hand sanitizer, but toilet rolls? Um, The next question we got is from Big John. Welcome, Big John, who asked, Hi Dal, thanks for your ongoing videos. Wondering which three stocks do you see as the market darlings of the ASX? Um, Geez, mate, I'm not going to give you any tonight because right now where the market is and and you need to understand what you're doing yourself rather than me going, I like this stock, that stock or that stock. You know, to me, I do like stocks like um, ComBank. It was hit really, really hard. I do like Telstra. It was... Not hit as hard, but, you know, A2 Milk's looking all right. But again, it's what I'm thinking right now. And, and to me, just to give you three stocks, you need to determine what kind of portfolio that you need, what's your, what's your time frame, short, medium, or long term. Um, and then you need to fit stocks around all of that because it's not just about all too, all too many people think, uh, just give me the best stock and I'll make money. And that's not the case. I could give you, uh, and I'll give you a, a, an example for many years, for about four or five years during the uh, the bull market from 2002, we were, Janine and I were writing a report where we would um, tell people what to buy and sell. And actually we had it um, into portfolios, four different portfolio styles that people could choose from. And all it was was follow the bouncing ball. If we, bought, we said we bought this stock, you go and buy it. If we said sell this stock, you sell it. And what we found and we gave people 100 percent money back guarantee if they didn't make money and every single person that asked for their money back guarantee didn't follow what we said and at the time we had a 92 percent success rate in picking stocks yet people still didn't still were able to lose money on their trading because they second guessed everything they wouldn't sell when we said to sell they didn't buy when we said to buy they bought later they they did a whole range of silly things so it's ready to better to educate yourself and understand how to construct your portfolio and what stocks that suit that type of portfolio and suits your trading style or your investing style and and it's congruent with your risk level Uh, and that's really what you need to do so if you haven't read my book get out and buy accelerate your wealth um, and and learn and you'll be able to create your portfolio Um, the next question i've got is from steve gray some awesome questions tonight isn't there Um, Next question is from Steve Gray, who asked, did the market drop down lower all of a sudden because there was an opportunity to let it fall? Um, Example, coronavirus, a bit early, but hey, an opportunity is just that. Um, Look, there's a lot of, I can have a lot of speculation around why the market fall. It's a lot of short selling, I believe, happened on the market and a lot of extra short selling. But I'll ask you the question, you can't sell a share until somebody buys it. So who's buying? Think about it. You cannot sell a share on the Australian Stock Exchange unless somebody else buys it. So who's buying? And why are they buying if the market's melting down? Now, there's a lot of short sellers out there pushing the market down. And I think this is where... Not just the Australian government, but world governments need to look at this because you've got algorithmic trading, you've got hedge funds, you've got all this short selling going on, and all these leveraged things that aren't necessarily about creating, buying a stock for an investment for creating value buying and buying the company for it to rise in value because it's making more money. They're making money out of thin air, if that makes sense. They're just buying something, selling something very, very quickly and creating. And their argument is we're creating liquidity, but they're not really creating liquidity. Uh, in my book. And I think the governments need to look at it. And I know during the GFC, the government in Australia stopped short selling on the marketplace. Now, I'm not suggesting that's ever going to happen soon, but I think we really do need to look at this. And I also think this is one of the tests on exchange traded funds. Now, a lot of people who've been watching know that I'm not a huge fan of exchange traded funds. And I do cop flack from financial advisors about that because they're saying, you know, there, it, it's you. If you have an ETF on an on an exchange, then you're very well diversified. And I reckon that's the biggest load of BS I've ever heard in my life. Because if you buy an exchange traded fund, that's an index fund based on the you know the XXAo or the XJo or you know the top 200, top 300, whatever that is. You're buying one stock code from one exchange with one company behind it. That's it. And a lot of people don't understand that when you buy buy an ETF, the comp the company with that ETF is actually creating those shares at the time. So they're providing the liquidity to that. But so are they going to want to buy it back if the share share market's in free fall? And are they going to make that fair? So I don't know. I need to do a lot more research around what's going on at the market at the moment and determine whether... ETFs has caused a little bit of people have been panicking about their ETFs and just selling out heavily of those, causing the ETF fund managers to sell a lot of stock, which has exasperated this fall. Something's caused it to go further than what I expected, because when you go back over hundreds of years, falls like we had yesterday are seriously unprecedented, like it's rare, 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 rare to see a fall of 7% on the Australian market, very, very rare, Um, and it's like I can't I couldn't tell you, other than sort of the, the 29 crash, I can't tell you that where our market's fallen 20-plus percent in a matter of days, uh, and we're talking you know less than two weeks, it's fallen 20% or around two weeks, 20%. So there's something pushing that, um, and it may come out. The, the government may have a look at it. ASIC may have a look at it. The, the ASX may look at it to see what was going on there, what's pushed it around. Because what, what I know is the big, at the big end of town generally win, winning, the, the, the average punter, generally it loses. So, but good question, Steve. Thanks for asking it. Actually, my rant um, um, uh, is not too bad um, on that. But uh, as I said, I sometimes I get a bit hot under the head with uh, mum and dad getting beaten around with the big end of town, pushing the market around. But uh, let's get on to the next question. Um, it's from John who asked, are you weighted towards cash in your managed account waiting for confirmation of a trend Absolutely. We were already... For a lot of clients, we'd already been selling. Um, like we kept saying to you, we're not buying. For We'd said quite a while we weren't buying stocks for the last sort of six or eight weeks. We were slowly selling. As stocks were presenting their sell signals. We were selling. Um, and that's really what we do. Personally, I was 60% cash um i believe i can't remember exactly i was about 60 percent cash so the times you are fully invested times you're fully in cash um and then you have swings in between those two between fully invested and, and partly in cash it just depends on the style of investor or trader you are but um i know most people um you know especially when they're going to you know into the industry they're getting fully invested pretty quickly and that's how how it works now the next comment or the next question or comment we've got is from george who says dale you're Direct prediction confirmed my thoughts. Okay. My direction prediction confirmed my thoughts. Uh, Zero loss on my super from this drop. Not bad. Well done, matey. Um, You can buy me a beer. Make sure it's a Corona. Um, we'll have a beer one day. Now, the next comment's from David A., who still, uh, who says, still shocked how well CSL has held up. Was hoping to get in when this, uh, this blows over. Well, it's up to you whether you buy into CSL or not, but it really does, it really has held up. So let's go on, we'll bring up CSL and have a little bit of a look at it because it has been a phenomenal stock to hold. And I'll put a couple of other stocks in for our next couple of questions as well for a couple of people. Um wish Janine was here because I wouldn't have to talk so much, hey? Um, and let me bring out The next one was REA. And we'll have a look at um, A2 Milk as well, I believe. Well, That's another good-looking stock at this point in time. And A2 Milk. So let's look at CSL. So um, obviously he's asking about possibly getting into this stock. And you can see how beautiful this stock is. It really gives you any cause for concern. It fell away through here into that low, into November 2018, the 25%. So it does have some bigger falls. Currently, the the fall from that low to, down to there was 20%. It's now only down nine or 10%. It's really up to you whether you get into this stock or not. But that looks nice and strong to me uh, at this point in time for a stock. And if you had that in your portfolio, um, we have it for our clients, I believe, for memory. I still think we uh, Janine will confirm that. I've forgotten. I've been we're looking. I've been looking at lots of stocks at the moment. So I'm not hundred percent sure exactly. We've been selling a few, as you know, from from our stop losses as well as protecting capital over the last couple of weeks. So, but this does look really, really good. The next question we got is from Seb, who asks, "Hi Dar, what do you think of REA and A2 milk to buy now?" The answer right now, I'm not. Basically, you're never going to get me to say tonight to buy now. That's not going to happen tonight. Um, and I don't tell people to buy or sell on this show because at the end of the day, you need to have rules around what you're doing where you're buying why you're buying it and how are you going to manage that so i'm going to have a look at the stocks and tell you the, what i think of them rea is looking it's been a little bit bearish like csl it's fallen a little bit heavier um, right now today it's, it's obviously moved up nicely so if we put our little tool on here you can see how it's fallen down around about that 20 i'll put my glasses on so i can see it Um, 24% it's now closed up around 16.9% but I wouldn't discount that it's that that it stopped moving down but I wouldn't also discount that it hasn't stopped moving down so it's really too early because you could be catching a knife and this is what uh, and uh, I'm not trying to be rude to you mate this is what the amateurs do is they jump on shares because they're a bit cheaper hoping To make money out of it, it's called what I call or affectionately called the buy and pray method. Again, I would rather see a stock rise 10, 20, 30% off a low and get in late knowing it's going up than get in early hoping it's going up because traders trade on confirmation, not speculation. Um, otherwise you might as well go to the track and bet on a horse or a dog um, because you might have a better chance of winning because you're going to get it wrong a lot um, especially in markets like this so so whilst i'm expecting the market to bounce it may only bounce for a few days or a week and then turn around and go the other way and you're caught in a falling knife Um, but right now it's not telling me to buy into this stock it's saying to me to watch it looking hopeful but it's not telling me to buy. AT Milk's pretty similar to that. Um, it didn't hasn't really been affected, as you can see. This is this week. It pushed right down, came right back. It is nice and bullish. So if you're going to buy a stock, this would probably be more likely what I would be buying rather than anyone else because it's been very, very resilient. I do like it at this point in time, and I don't think there's any reason why it shouldn't break through its previous all-time high. But again, as I've said before, an A2 milk over the last few months, as it came down through here, a lot of people were saying, "Should I buy in now?" Um, and they're buying in on the on the premise that it might do this again. It might really skyrocket again, from, you know, where it goes up, you know, a ton of percent. There's 700% from there, and they're seeing that. So people remember that it rose 112% between October 2018 and July 2019. they remember, it flew up here. It's not going to do that again. So it won't get those phenomenal rises because now it's around that $17 mark, it's a bigger share. It's not $2 anymore. Um, and it's also the broader markets looking at this as well. So um, it's probably not going to be doing those sort of 100 plus percents in a year. So don't expect it to do that. Uh, but good looking stock at this point in time. Now, the next question we got is from, it looks like Miff Joseph, um, who asked, what sector should we be looking at going forward for 2020? Um, I covered that in the early part of there. I said uh, some of the sectors I was looking for, I was looking for the ones in that first part of my recording when I was talking about the sectors is looking at the ones that haven't fallen away as much. For more immediate term buys, and so those sectors that hadn't fallen away, Um, energy's fallen the worst so far this year, Um, energy materials, um, not so much financials, but energy materials have fallen a lot heavier, so I would be looking at those to find bottoms for later on, maybe a few months down the track, but they're the ones I would be looking at at the moment um, for the opportunities. Now the next question we got is from Andrew M, who says, "I'm assuming the majority of your stocks have had their sell triggers. Uh, sell triggers. Are you waiting for the volatility to die down before re-entering, or waiting for another big down day to jump back in? We never wait for a big down day to jump in. matey. this is never going to happen. Um, yeah, we're waiting. We wait for the dust to settle. And again." it really gets back to what I was saying before is people just trying to catch falling knives. You know, just settle down, guys. It just, go on holidays for a month and come back. You know, go into a coma for six weeks and all, you know, and come back. And then it's, it's, I'm not having a go at you, matey. Please don't think I'm having a go at you, but don't try and get in fast. And that's what I'm saying. If you're in a rush to get into the market, you're in a rush to lose. And that's what I continually say is sit back, wait for the dust to settle. Um, and I, I think I talked a bit about, um, I was chatting with Jim Beach a few weeks ago where he was saying to me, Dale, you sound a lot like Warren Buffett. He says, you know, sometimes you just need to sit on your hands because I actually said I'm just sitting on my hands right now. And that was a couple of weeks ago. Now's the time to sit on your hands and go to the beach read a good book, forget about too much, and wait for the market to settle, then come back in again, because the chances are you're going to get it wrong, um, and chances are you're going to buy a stock that's not going to look after you very, very well, uh, because you're trying to buy cheap, and you might buy something that's falling quite heavily, so, and I think I've said it several times tonight, now's not the time to be buying shares, now's the time to be sitting on your hands, taking it easy taking three deep breaths and being rational about it all. Um, So just take it easy, guys. Now, the final comment we have for tonight. Wow, is that gone that fast um, for the show? The final comment we've got tonight is from, have you subscribed? That's the point. I'm doing my, I'm getting sweaty under the armpits here um, answering all your questions. And what you can do is hit that subscribe button Um and say Dale, thanks for the show, thanks for supporting us, thanks for being that calm reasonable head. And remember, hit the bell on the right of it and hit the like button. Hit that like button right now. Um, and that shows the support for our channel. But the final comment tonight's from Les Brown. Um, another new name I haven't heard. There's a quite a few new names I haven't heard tonight. So welcome Les. Um, he asks, What are your thoughts on Near Map? I like Near Maps, a nice stock actually. Um, I've liked it for quite some time actually. So let's bring that up. Um, and if the Producers and directors and the, the the people that must be obeyed in my ear. Let me, you know, we might be able to do another stock, but let's see how we go. Near map has fallen quite heavily as you see but i do like it because it fell rose heavily and it's a pretty good example of what rises fast will fall fast but it's just falling back to its momentum and what i mean by that if i just do my sort of little trendy line on here you can see here most of the price action is along there now i've done a lot of that research on on the all News index now i won't show you i actually had it on my spreadsheet that i was um, showing a bit earlier but i didn't have it on the tab that you could see but i look at momentum in the marketplace now our market rises um it currently runs at about one point per day. So one point up every day. Um, prior to the GFC it was running at over two points per day, but even at the high in February um, this year our market wasn't running at that sort of level. It was running just over, just over half of that. So that was telling me another reason why our market, market's just coming back to being normal momentum. And that's all this stock is doing. And that's really why I was starting to get excited about it because I think it might find some support pretty soon. You can see how it's pushed down this week on Monday and Tuesday, come right back up again. Again, I'd wait for it to find some support. Um, you, can, you could get a nice little trend line down on there if you've read my book um from there but again wait for it to show it's starting to rise don't just jump in because it rises one or two weeks that's what people do that are catch falling knives they see a stock move up for one two three four weeks then move up 10 or 20 percent they jump in thinking it stopped falling and then all of a sudden it turns over and you guys haven't experienced that have you yeah you have some of you have i know that uh and what you do is you really need to take care but last and final question i've just smoothed the guys because you must have hit the like button. Hit the like button again. Hit the subscribe button, guys. Um, but the final question is from Steve P who asks, looks like Westpac has come back closer to ANZ and NABIA. All of them look CRAP, don't they? And where's the swear jar? Um, uh, I had $19 as the entry point for all three banks a week ago. However, due to the last two days, I think the entry point will be lower. It'll be a hell of a lot lower, matey. All three, those three banks, as I said, my preferred bank is ComBank at this point in time. It was hit hard. But if you go and have a look at, um, you know, let's have a quick look at um, Westpac there. Um, look at that one. Here's um, CBA. Look at NAB. And you can see them and NAB and Westpac don't look very good at all. So there's NAB, it looks, it's been been going down since September. So again, that's what I'm saying. If a stock's already moving down and people would have been buying NAB in here. I know people asked us about NAB in here and they would have been buying here only to get caught into this. If we go to CBA, it's see how much more bullish it was. Um, through here was risen, risen past all of these highs right back through here to 2015 and I think this thing's going to be the better bank and Westpac again you can see how Westpac again same as NAB fallen since September 2019 its high was way back in 2015 right now it doesn't look healthy at all but again looking at the bigger picture it's just coming back if I draw a trend line across there you can see here that it's probably just around about that momentum where it comes back to so Maybe the banks will start finding some support at this point in time, but um, I know you said $19, but don't ever set a price target like that, matey, because that will see you have mistakes all of the time. Always let a technical entry give it to you, not a price level based on some other thing where it may be a support level that you think. Every man, woman, dog, and child knows support levels, and uh, so that's why you see stocks get pushed through them, support levels, and resistance levels, they get pushed them and only to retrace again. Um, and so you need to have some solid technical rules around that, but, um, now it's the end of the show. Wow. How fast was that? Um, and a little bit disjointed. I do apologize for the start because we did have a bit of a challenge there, but, um, this, this show this week, hopefully it's expanded your thinking and helped you understand a little bit. And next week, I'm not really sure what we're actually going to do. Um, but I do have some ideas that again will stretch your thinking. So I do hope you enjoyed the show and thanks for participating but if you'd like to see the show grow remember to put it on your social media so we are here to to help you and we janine and i give our time freely to help you and as i said earlier in the show we don't care whether you buy or sell we don't make any money out of it so it's really we're very much here as as apolitical in that respect we're distance we're third party people we're helping you trying to understand the show so remember share it with your social media on twitter facebook you name it all of those sorts of things also remember we do have we do this every single tuesday night to so remember that but as always we're happy to receive your questions so send them through to info at just type wealth within live in the subject line so um but remember we do these shows every tuesday night uh, tuesday 7 to 8 p.m so make sure you put that on your calendar for next week but again thanks for bringing up uh, well, uh being watching to the end of this show and um putting with my bit of disjointedness at the start but uh, that really does bring us to the end of the show and we really do hope you enjoyed it as much as i have bringing it to but as always Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck
0: and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.